Hello, and thank you for downloading the Green Majority Podcast this week. We have a super weird episode this week for like four, at least three reasons, maybe four. Uh, one of which is that uh, we had to pre-record the show like two hours before the actual show because I had something I couldn't avoid during the live show. So uh, as we say at the beginning of the program, this sh- uh, show was recorded at 7.30 in the morning. We only made one minor screw up from being so tired. So cheers to us. Uh, and it was pretty silly considering the fact that we talked about some pretty interesting things. I think we titled this show controversial opinions for a reason. Uh, and with that, the only qualifier I will give you is that, uh, it may not be going where you think it's going. So please, before you send me any angry emails, finish the episode. Aside from that, if you want to support us, you can do that by signing up at greenmajority.ca or go straight to the source, uh, you know, save yourself a couple of clicks. If you already know Green Majority website, go to Patreon directly to become a member with us. You can help support us in all our, some of our new initiatives we'll be rolling out very, very soon. You can do that at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Green Majority. Enjoy the show. Welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners, or possibly on our podcast, which can be found at greenmajority.ca for some extra bonus stuff, some fun pictures, laughs, games, fun by had by all, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, today, I will add a quick qualifier at the beginning of the show that this is, for, at least for the people in the studio, the very, very early show. And the only reason I'm telling you that is because one of us might be very sleepy. It is actually 7.30 a.m. And Rob Shirky, one of the most uh, prestigious people in, uh, that I know, and oh, certainly a, jo- uh, a scholar and a gentleman, because he's joined me here at 7.30 a.m. Toronto time to produce this show because he's an amazing human being. And only on the promise of free coffee, you do owe me coffee. Yeah, there's no coffee store yeah. right now, so that was a lie. <laughs> that was clearly a lie. Yeah. Um, so it's no free coffee, but we're still going to have a show, um, and it's going to be a good show because Rob's got, a re- I think, a really great topic. So basically what's going to happen, my my brief overview before I throw to you, Rob, is uh, usually I describe how the show works. So here's how the show works before we're going to go. You're going to rant, then I'm going to rant, then we're both going <laughs> to Okay. Co-rant. Co-ranting at the yeah. end, but yeah. then individually at first. Uh, yeah. So Rob, it's been a little while since you've been on, and uh, um, I want to, when I get to the, a little later in the show, I want to talk about uh, the ongoing with the pipeline and the Kinder Morgan mm. and, the B- and the BC Wines and all that kerfuffle if you if i may call it that Mm -hmm. uh in the middle and we're going to tie a whole bunch of things together here but you had you said uh may i be sassy today (laughs) and then i said tell me more yes and then you told me more and then i said yes yes so do that i am i am frustrated sarah and i i may go on a rant i'm not a ranty person but but be forewarned there may be some sass i i actually uh i understand that you save all of it for us which is great i do i do i bottle it up i push it down and now here i am (laughs) it's ready to come out yeah so that's also a way of saying that this is the worst rob has to offer yeah which which attests to my thing of you being an amazing human being so carry on thank you okay uh so i've got i've got something that's been irking me a little bit lately um and i want to say you know big picture good news but now i'm going to get a little nitpicky um so a, a few a few months ago, um, San Francisco, Oakland, several uh, uh, California cities began filing lawsuits against 
uh, big oil. So against, uh, I think some of the defendants are BP, Chevron, Exxon, and so on. And this is on the heels of um, of an Exxon new campaign, right? So they uh, they were aware uh, decades ago of some of the risks, uh, the harms of their products. They didn't disclose them, and they continue to market their products. Um, and now and now a lot of these communities are suffering harms, and are going to need to to upgrade a lot of their infrastructure to cope. Uh, with the impacts of climate change. Uh, more recently, this was then just a few weeks ago, so on the East Coast, uh, New York City filed essentially the exact same claim, uh, and the, the, the named defendants are BP Chevron, uh, ConocoPhillips, ExxonMobil, and Royal Dutch Shell. Uh, a fun little twist, and this is sort of, uh, this, this just came out last week, Chevron, actually, they sort of, I guess, countersued. They brought in uh, Norway-based stat oil, uh, and, and they're essentially saying, look, if, if there are, you know, if we're on the hook for some of these damages, that's to be shared with, with other oil companies and auto manufacturers and consumers as well. And so it's an interesting strategic move. So before doing the advocacy I'm doing now, uh, I was a, a lawyer who actually worked for government. Uh, and it's interesting because in, in adding a foreign company to the matter, uh, it, it moves litigation from the state of California's courts, uh, which I think, which I think are favorable perhaps to, um, uh, to what a lot of these cities are doing. Uh, and it forces into a, a federal court where there might be poor odds of success. It, it also means it's multi-jurisdictional. Uh, it's much more complex litigation, so it only serve uh, to drag the matter out for years. Can I can yeah. I decode that part of it? Please. For you? Uh, more complex means more expensive, means harder to fight, means bigger hill to climb. All, so that's like part of the strategy. Oh, it's yeah. It's not an accident. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> they're, no they're no slouches at Chevron. They, they, they've got some decent lawyers. They know what they're doing. Um, so, and all of this, a big part of this anyway, hinges on they knew and they didn't disclose. It's sort of this hashtag uh, Exxon knew. Now, there's a Canadian uh, version of this story. So there are uh, a variety of uh, environmental nonprofits on the West Coast who are going to municipalities, uh, asking them to sign these so-called accountability letters. Uh, and there's already three municipalities, um, at least that I know of. There could be more. Uh, but this is very recently, just within the last couple of weeks, uh, including uh, Victoria, Saanich, uh, uh, and maybe one or two other municipalities, I believe mostly on Vancouver Island. A- and they're writing these letters um, asking, essentially, and it's addressed to 20 fossil fuel companies, saying, look, a lot of the harms of your products uh, that we're now seeing more and more and will continue to see in the future means that our community needs to spend money to upgrade our municipal infrastructure to deal with these impacts. We think you should contribute to that. And so, of course, you know, kudos. But on the other hand, I'm like, really? Are we, are we writing them a letter, you know, with their tails between our legs saying, you know, please, please, can you give us some money? Of course, I, I believe the broader strategy is this is, it might almost be um, a bit of like a demand letter where it's a precursor to actual litigation. And I, I believe that is uh, the hope anyway. So, mm-hmm. so, so a step in that direction. Um, but uh, uh, what's interesting, though, is I looked at, because there was one dissenting counselor uh, in Victoria. So, so I think the article I read said it was, it was an almost unanimous vote, right? And, and so I, I was like, oh, well, what was the dissenting counselor's points, right? And so I looked them up. Uh, it was Counselor Jeff Young. And I went so far as to, um, uh, to watch the, the video, the archive video feeds of council meetings. Uh, and I, and I want to read 
these are this is basically a transcript because I'm writing a book as well, and so so now and again I'll watch something. By the way, you just proved to our audience that you used to be a lawyer that you watched archived. <laughs> that's true. Meeting. There you go. Yeah, I'm also teasing my book too, so that's, <laughs> that's my marketing hat. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but so this is what he said uh, on this sort of um, accountability letter proposal. He said, "quote I don't support this. It is basically trying to put on other people." Uh, the responsibility that properly placed on governments. And by other people, he meant uh, these businesses. Um, and, and he said, uh, he called the request, quote, ridiculous. Uh, he went on to say, quote, there are a whole lot of steps that governments could take, obvious ones that we ourselves could take. Uh, he went on to talk about uh, no more free parking. Uh, he said, you know, broader conversation around a carbon tax, etc. And he concludes by saying, I think, well, I want to use parliamentary language here. I think it's inappropriate. <laughs> right? Yeah, do, I don't need to decode that part. Right? No, I listeners? don't think you do. Okay, I, I think, think the listeners got that. Wow, what an example, a model example of restraint, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might have used a, a different word, I think, in that context. If, just, I, I've mentioned many times on the show before that I'm a, um, I'm a fan of rhetoric, the, the classical sense of rhetoric, and mm. so I, I enjoy watching debates for the pure enjoyment of watching someone essentially fence with language. That, to me, is very exciting. <laughs> yes. That, that, I'm outing myself as a giant nerd right now. Well, uh, but that's something I enjoy. And so uh, the the art of the dramatic and meaningful and impactful understatement yes. is one of the finest uh, spoken arts that there is. I mean, that's that's the piece de resistance. And any speech is the is the comedic understatement that is powerful. Uh, love that so well, much. Well, boy, are you in for a treat? <laughs> Because I'm going to propose a different word. I will let you know it's radio-friendly, the okay. word that I'm going to propose. All right. um, we've, we've vetted it with the lawyers at CIU. No, I'm kidding. There are no CIU no lawyers. Actually, there probably is. I don't know. There probably is. Um, so I, I will, I will uh, try and, and, and emulate some of the restraint shown by this counselor. But I do have a different word. But, but before sharing that word, I just want to uh, contextualize it, right, with a, with a bit of a backstory. Um, so it's it's interesting. I was doing some Googling recently on the history of, well, when did we collectively all know that, you know, fossil fuels are problematic, right? Uh, and, and there's, you can even go further back than this date, 1979. But I found this date interesting because uh, there was a, a conference. It was called the World Climate Conference, the first of its kind. It was held in Geneva. And the reason I found that interesting uh, is because 1979 is the year I was born, right? So it's sort of like, my goodness, how long have we been struggling with this thing? Uh, and, and that was held, I think it was in, in February of that year. I was born in the fall. So I did, I did the math on this. I even went to some website like, where are you in, like, how big are you during this, you know, period of one, one's pregnancy or whatnot? And I, at the time of this conference, was literally the size of a poppy seed, right? So, so this is the context. At that conference... Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, papers were sort of uh, fielded by by scientists from all over the world. There was one paper that offered almost a bit of a summary, and I want to read to you uh, just a quick ex excerpt from this paper. Uh, the author wrote, uh, "Most of those who have investigated the problem, and he cites a bunch of you know academics, uh, believe that at present uh, one of the principal effects of man." Uh, on climate occurs through carbon dioxide emissions resulting from the burning of fossil fuels. This is 1979. Uh, these emissions lead to a worldwide increase in the CO2 content in the atmosphere, enhancing, I love this, the so-called greenhouse effect, right? Uh, 
then he goes on to cite a, a bunch of other academics and, and, and says, and many others suggest that the continuation of current rates of growth in energy use based on fossil fuel will lead to a substantial percentage increase in the atmospheric CO2 concentration during the next 50 to 100 years, and that this in turn will raise the temperature of the atmosphere and lead to significant climactic changes, right? I was a poppy seed at this time. Look at, look at me now. Saren can see me. I know you can't. Significantly larger than a poppy seed. Well, I mean, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> there's, no, there's no upper limit to that. <laughs> I'm doing fine. A grape seed. A grape seed, but thank you. Um, so, so the response, now I found the response interesting. Uh, and there was actually a, a super prominent meteorologist uh, who was based at the University of Toronto, Kenneth Hare. Uh, who he, he coordinated a summary paper at this conference, was involved in the conference a lot. Uh, and when asked by a reporter what was the reaction from politicians, he said, quote, little to none, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest a theme, right? Uh, 1988, world leaders convened uh, at another global conference on climate change. This was a big one right here, believe it or not, in Toronto, Rio, 1992, right? Then you get a couple dozen global United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, uh, COPS, Conference of the Parties meetings. Uh, honestly, I don't even know what COP we're on now. Um, but all of that to say, yes, Exxon knew, and yes, there needs to be some accountability there. But you know what, Sarah? Government knew too, okay? <laughs> and and this, is where, this is where I get frustrated, right? So putting, putting my legal hat back on, uh, uh, there's some concepts like something called the clean hands doctrine, like something called uh, mitigation of damages doctrine. I'm not going to go into the specifics, but there's contributory negligence, there's apportionment of liability. All of these concepts, I think at their core, share in common this sort of a, well, you've got a plaintiff suing a defendant, but but what role did the plaintiff play in the matter, right? What what did they do? What didn't they do, right? So, uh, let me, yeah. Okay, let's, yeah. Have, let's play a game. Let's have an example. So I was thinking that the most common sort of uh, injury, the common thing people would deal with is injury law. And so a mm. very common urban mundane injury law would be like slipping on someone's uniced mm-hmm. front walk. Uh, so I might slip outside your storefront and I might try and sue you and then, and then we go to court and then it turns out that I was doing drunken cartwheels outside your storefront. Exactly. And it turns out that, that I may not have as good a case because I wasn't using a sidewalk in the way that it should be used and that at, the, at best muddies the waters. Is that correct? Well, well that's exactly it. And, and maybe you might then um, share in, in some of the responsibility, right, for that actual event. And it could very well be that the final outcome is well, the property owner, they didn't ice their sidewalk. It was slippery. They should have known better. Uh, you, you know, you could have known better too. Here I am, you know, no offense, don't get too upset, <laughs> you know, but drunk uh, uh, cartwheels on a nice surface, not a good idea. Um, so it could very well be that, that there's going to be an estimate made that you suffered X amount of harm and you could put a dollar figure on that. But you know what? Uh, that property owner is only on the hook for 50%, say, right? Right. Um, so it's that. And, and you get that flavor in, in litigation often, right? And so, and, and the funny thing is, I actually had, <laughs> I had a dream. This is, this is, I think I need an intervention, right? <laughs> I, I had a dream where I was actually in court and and oh, I, man. Yeah. You've yeah. Worst dreams. <laughs> this, is, this is awful. Well, it, it gets better. It okay. gets better. Well, it, it gets worse, actually. <laughs> um, so so I, I dreamt that I was testifying on behalf of big oil, right? So like totally selling out. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I was being asked these sorts of questions, right? Well, well uh, you've been lobbying uh, governments from coast to coast. You've been lobbying governments in North America. And, and a lot of this litigation hinges on 
uh, you knew about these harms, you failed to disclose them, you continued to market those products. The thing that you're working on, so I'm, I'm asking governments to pass legislation that would mandate climate change warnings or risk disclosures for gas pumps, right? So basically it's about transparency, it's about consumer protection, it's about to the extent that the, that the, muddies, uh, that the waters are muddied when it comes to a lot of science on climate change, this adds some clarity to that and so on, right? We then feel a bit more connected to, to our impacts of fossil use. Uh, then there's collectively greater impetus to address it. So we'll save that, you know, for another show or your listeners can go to the archives. I've, I've <laughs> talked about the idea to death. But the point is... I didn't even properly introduce you. Rob Shirky, ah. Executive Director of Our Horizon. <laughs> Website will be available. I'm sorry, you're just here so often. I forget that I have to introduce Fair. you. Fair. Uh, and and uh, this is quite early in the morning <laughs> in is. your defense. That right? was why I added that qualifier was for this exact exactly. same situation. Yeah. Expectation management. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so this is the thing. Saanich, a, a community in, in, in Vancouver Island, Victoria, a community on Vancouver Island. These are two of the places that have signed on to these accountability, accountability letters. I've, I was in their council chambers. I was pitching this idea to them. They were asking questions of me on this idea. I've written to them and so on. Uh, San Francisco, I had meetings with politicians, local politicians in San Francisco. I was in their offices. San Francisco actually has legislation drafted, fully drafted. It's collecting dust on a shelf somewhere right now to implement climate disclosures for gas pumps, right? The very same thing that they're saying, well, well, you should have done this. They have the power to do that, but they're not doing it. Right, Same. And, and a better argument that they should, frankly. Well, I mean, can we really blame an a, an amoral? I'm being clear there, an amoral, yeah. not immoral. Amoral corporations with with fiduciary responsibilities to maximize profit and shareholder and all those things. Really, is is who has more culpability there? I don't know. I think between mm. the two of them, I think government does. Well, you know what, and and I would agree with that, and I'll go into that in a second. But just to sort of finish this up, like I was also in New York doing the exact same thing. So uh, so this is what's blowing my mind. Like the places that I've been to, that I've You've lobbied. literally been I've to talked, every of those places. Yes. And these very same places that, you know, they're sitting on their left hand where there's something they can do. They've got the privilege, you know, it's, it's. Uh, I was looking at these stats. There's there's nine. So there's, there's one mayor and eight councillors. So nine votes in Victoria. There's something like 90,000 people there. So one in 10,000 gets to vote, gets to pass a law, right, that can actually make this happen. If you look at Canada as a whole, um, uh, there's 300 plus um, MPs in the House of Commons. We've got 35, 36, 37 million people. The math roughly adds out to one in 100,000 Canadians can pass a vote, uh, can pass a law, can vote to, to impact all of us, right? Like it's a tremendous, tremendous privilege uh, and responsibility to do that. And I'm thinking, you guys are sitting on your hands, you know, like that's unacceptable. And, and to your point, you know, who is the onus on, right? To, to even add a bit more context, there was a time when, when horses were pooping on the street. Literally, this is, a, this is a public health, this is a sanitation issue. There's poop piling up on the streets, right? Where we're slaughtering oils uh, uh, for kerosene, for, for fuel, or whales, et cetera, right? Um, you know, and a whole bunch of things. And then, oh, look, here's this resource. It provides energy and so on. It was, it was a fix in, in a lot of ways to a lot of these problems. Fast forward, uh, we're learning that it's harmful. And if you're in that sector, right, it's, it's kind of like, oh, boy, my job, the thing that I do carries these harms. Like your very livelihood depends on you kind of ignoring that, right? And humans, we can rationalize a whole lot of things. So, so do we really want these people 
um, can we reasonably expect them to to do that? Add to that the broader context of you've got a dozen, two dozen large players in the in the fossil fuel sector. You've got hundreds of smaller ones, and so on. You know, let's say if I'm Shell and and I'm a scientist at Shell or I'm an executive, and and I say, okay some of these things actually are causing some harms, right? And I look I look to my left, I look at all my competitors, I look to my right and so on. And am I going to unilaterally take a step to put myself at a competitive disadvantage relative to my competitors? Am I going to do something that eats into my profit margins, right? Well, well, none of these people to my left are, none of these people to my right are. Like this is the exact situation that cries out for government regulation. I would go so far as to say that like this is one of the core reasons government exists, right? Well, Go ahead. I, yeah. I, no, I want to make I want to make it even more stark than that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's significantly more stark than more cut and dry rather mm. than that. Uh, in the sense that, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like well, w- you're asking people to punch themselves in the yeah. face, um, and and doing it in a way that, as you say, puts them as, at a specific disadvantage. You know, in the arguments, you know, it was like, well, well, we said, well, you know, we talked to the oil companies about limiting their business and they didn't like it. So what do you want yeah. us to do? Well, if we if they were going to like stuff you were going to do, we wouldn't need government. Yeah. If if this was something that they were going to do anyway and they decided it was something that they should do, then there we then the crazy right wingers would be right. We wouldn't need any government. Yes. yes. Right. Then we could just let, like that's I feel like all of that thinking comes for some whether people the people espousing it or not comes from some massively just utopian libertarian yeah. dream slash nightmare yeah where it's like you don't realize the implication and my voice is cracking i'm so upset <laughs> it's like people saying that don't understand the implication like have you like this i wonder like this is like my thing but i under i don't understand why it's my thing that i'm always the one that has to do this not that you don't but as mm. like as, as far as these larger conversations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's like i appear apparently i'm the only one that picks up on it where it'd be yeah. like so what you're saying is we don't you don't think we need governments that's obviously not yeah. true but, but okay, that's so the implication. if we do need them, what is their job? Their job is to tell people to do things they don't want to do otherwise. Otherwise, we wouldn't need them to tell them yeah. that. Like, why do we just say, why do we just get rid of the police? Because, like, really, there's only criminals because of police. If we get rid of police, there won't be any criminals. You know, and, and this While is... While you're at it, I mean... <laughs> this is what frustrates me the most because, uh, uh, to what you're saying, I don't think they're doing their job, right? Mm-hmm. I it think is explicitly your job. Exactly. Exactly. That was my point. That you, is explicitly they, I think job. I think they are failing. I think... I think a core responsibility that they have, uh, and it's amazing because look, I, I can write a letter to Exxon. You can do that. I can tweet at them. Can and have. Right? Actually, actually, I've written a letter <laughs> to them too, right? Um, you know, I can actually file a claim. Later today, I could go down to the courts. I can file a claim. I could actually do that, right? Well, the success of it, you know, who knows, who cares? But I can do that. Do you know what I can't do? I can't pass a law. I can't do that. They're, they're at the federal level in Canada. There are only one in 100,000 people that can do that. And you've actually tried. Oh, God. I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. I've, like, coast to coast, up and down North America. I've, it's, it's actually, it's frustrating because I'm, I'm searching in vain for leadership you're doing that for doesn't, free that what doesn't people exist. are paid very well to do yeah i've even well, drafted i've even free. i've even i've done all the labor like i've done everything for them i wrapped it up in a bow um, <laughs> but this is this is what it comes down to and I, I may have mentioned this on the show at some point i had a conversation this was maybe six months after i launched this this thing this campaign five years ago five years ago okay uh, maybe six months into it i talk with a counselor at toronto city hall right and and i won't say who it is but i will say that they have all the right credentials. They're they're green. They're progressive. They're so on. This is one that should that should be for you know an environmental type initiative, right? 
I give them the 60 second elevator pitch and I've got a little picture of, of a pump and, uh, and like a little uh, mock-up disclosure label, right? And, and they say, quote, it was beautiful because it was so transparent, so candid, quote, but people don't want to see that. So, so his, ob- his objection to me conveyed two things. One, w- well, exactly, we don't want to see that right? And, and that's why we don't deal with it. Like just making it a little more salient in our day-to-day lives will create that impetus to really make us, make us address it earnestly, right? The other piece though is, aha, uh-huh, this is why you, you can't do this because people don't want to see it. You want to uh, have barbecues. You want to do ribbon cuttings. You want to, to take a narcissistic selfie, <laughs> right? Like what I'm suggesting it creates some discomfort around the status quo. I'm suggesting that complacent markets don't lead to reform and a bit of discomfort with the status quo is a good thing, but it aligns poorly with political self-interest. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be the one that creates uh, some discomfort among your constituents, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, really, uh, as a politician, mm. uh, you you can think about your job in two ways, really. I mean, maybe there's a third, but there's definitely not less than two, um, <clears throat> uh, which is essentially my job is to execute public will mm-hmm. or my job is to make tough decisions that benefit the public. Yeah. And those two things are often in conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And increasingly in conflict as we enter this age of hysteria and fake news and, and all this other and, and there being, you know, truth being dead and all that stuff. The importance of which of those two things you believe your job mm. is, is increasingly important. You know what? I, <laughs> as a child, I did not care for broccoli. I did not care for spinach. But my mother, my mother, she made me eat that broccoli and spinach. Look at me now, right? Look at me <laughs> Significantly now. larger than a grape seed. Exactly. Fact, yeah. Thank you, right? <laughs> so so here's, here's the thing. This is what I find the most frustrating, which is why this whole thing is, has been irking me for a little while, right? You know, if this place falls apart, if, if, if this place burns, if this is the end of civilization as we know it, yeah, Exxon knew. And yes, let's sue them. And yes, you know, do as much as we can and, and so on on that front. Um, but but I'm, not, I'm not so much upset with what Exxon did. Uh, what upsets me more is, is what governments failed to do and, and are failing to do. Right. That's, that's what upsets me. Being as a, And I just need to reiterate, being mad at companies is completely pointless. They're amoral yeah. machines that are yeah. designed to manufacture widgets, which in this case are profit when we're having this thing. It's like, uh, being, it's like being mad at your printer for not printing. Yes. Yeah, you can bang on it, but it's not going to do anything. It's a printer. What do you expect it to do? Yeah. The people to be mad at is HP who designed it or whoever. I mean, I don't want to get sued. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, for the record, I actually do love HP. They're doing some good things Fair on enough. the environment. Actually, no, I, no, that's true. I've actually, we spoke to someone from HP. And I could also use but, a brand new laptop. So I don't know if this, <laughs> if we, if we plug HP, no. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. That's not how it works. After okay. the fact, they go, ha ha. Ah, okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah. just that's so important to underline. Uh, yeah. It's like, whose duty is this actually? So, um, mm. Rob, we're heading up on 25 minutes. We're well over the first section. Oh, boy. Uh, but I want, but as you said, a lot of these topics are going to keep rolling. Uh, but I want to, I'm going to, I'm probably going to drag it out just to 30 here because there's, I mm. want to make sure that this gets tacked on to, to this section. Okay. Which is, here is my question for you. And I thought of this last night when we were, mm. we were having our quick pre-show uh, sort of scrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, but I didn't say it at the time, really say it to you at the time, but here's my question to you. Mm. Uh, should this not be a joke? Should you not actively seek out the oil companies and offer them your testimony? And I want to tell the listeners, you may have already figured out why I'm making this argument. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to enlighten the mm-hmm. listeners before I let you answer, uh, which is, 
I see potentially, and Rob, putting you can put on your lawyer hat and tell me what you think here mm-hmm. professionally um, uh, from the industry side of it. But if you go in there mm-hmm. and they lose the pants off them, so say, I don't know, uh, New York or California, uh, tries this lawsuit, you go and testify on behalf of Exxon mm. that, that they absolutely knew as well and, yes. and therefore are in no position to do that. And they get just absolutely just embarrassed and just they like all the money they spent on it they're gonna like it's a giant loss of money a huge pr loss everything embarrasses the living Mm -hmm. crud out of them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. isn't that gonna scare the pants out of every other city by like oh shoot we this actually may set precedent we actually might be liable that maybe there's some super creative million dollar an hour lawyer that could figure out a way to sue us for this yeah oh shoot like maybe that actually kicks off some change what do you think well, I have an answer. Do you want it now, or is this the cliffhanger? No, no. Let's. Uh, well. Okay. The, oh no, well, that's a good thing. Is oh, this you the know cliffhanger? What? I like cl- I like cliffhangers. It's and a, in fact, it's I a juicy it, one. It's a juicy it, one. I just made it significantly <laughs> worse by saying yes than no. Okay. So yeah, we're gonna do that. Okay. Uh, Rob, I'm gonna ask you then instead a different question temporarily, which is that uh, I've got uh, the woods here queued up. Can you just just tell us a little bit about the band you've chosen? Obiju uh, is a great Canadian band. Unfortunately, they're no longer together. They've all moved on to different projects. Uh, but a couple of the members were from my high school. I love them to death, and I, uh, I've i actually made out to this track. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact today. Yeah. All right, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful community and radio partners across the country, and on the podcast. We're going to be back with more uh, spicy DJ Rob uh, after the music <laughs> break. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful and very uh, appreciated community radio partners, as well as the podcast, which can be found along with all our show notes and uh, uh, links to Rob's dating profile or whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you threw it. Online so. now. Uh, <laughs> uh, all available at greenmajority.ca. Um, so, Rob, we left a cliffhanger. Yes. I'm so sorry, but that's really fun to do on from our perspective. So uh, so there you go. So let's 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 keep it. Let's just wrap it up. So the yeah. question was, if you just tuned yes. in or whatnot, um, you know, uh, you'll have to go back. We're not retelling the whole story, but the just the recap of the question was, should you offer your services? Should you mm. actually seek out email Exxon, say, I would like to testify on your behalf against the cities trying to sue you for climate change? Yeah. So. So the title of this segment is called Rob Shirky Sells Out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So here's, you know, this thought has actually occurred to me, right? In in, in part because, like, I'm in debt because of this work, right? So I'm like, this is absurd. I've I've put so much on the line. These guys can't even do their jobs, you know, politically, right? Um, So I say to myself, hey, wouldn't this be interesting? Wouldn't this be interesting if I said, if I contacted some some big oil type companies, right? And I said, yeah, put me on retainer. I will be on retainer. Sign me up for 20 odd years. Pay me this amount, you know, uh, each year and fly me to whatever courtroom you need me in, right? And and here's my thinking. I would straight up say, look, this is what happened. I went to that place. I told him about this. We actually developed a database. I had youth comb Uh, government websites all over the world to develop a database of politicians from all over the world to fire off this idea, right? And say, this is what we're doing here. We'd like to to connect with you to do this there. You know, so there there are certainly people even outside of North America who have had this cross their desk, right? And I think, I think, you know, what's interesting? I think that could actually prompt government. So, so, so I guess it wouldn't be selling out in the end. My, My hope would be that some people in government might say, you know what? He's right. 
we've really, uh, excuse the pun, shirked our responsibility, right? Okay. Yeah, wah, wah. That's my last <laughs> name almost. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's incumbent on us to do this. In fact, even if we want to uh, ensure the greatest possible outcome in this litigation, it's incumbent on us to take more steps, right, to sort of do our part. So we, we go into this litigation with, with quote, clean hands and, and in good faith and so on, right? So I think, I think, you know what, even big picture strategy-wise, you know, on the surface, it might appear as, oh boy, this guy's taking the stand for big oil, he's selling out. You know, this is my accountability letter to government. That's, that's what that would be. Yeah, and and but uh, uh, sorry. So specifically mm. on the on the on the on that fact, I mean, you sort of alluded to it, but uh, uh, like so very specifically, do you um, do you think that that would have just putting on your lawyer hat, take off your yeah. eco hat for a minute? Is there any sort of legal basis for that? Is do you think there's even a, a squeaky? I re, I realize mm. for the listeners' clarity, this is not your area of expertise. Sure, sure. Um, but in your sort of modest professional opinion, do you think there's a crack there? Like, could an oil company make a case and 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 use that in their defense, you think, sufficiently, yeah. uh, or possibly even countersue or something? Like, is what could the fallout be theoretically, in your opinion? Well, I see it being uh, more of a shield than a sword in this kind of a litigation. Okay. So it's sort of uh, uh, yet another thing to strengthen, you know, their position, you know, as, as, as a defendant. Um, I'm not sure that it could be used as, as sort of a sword to start an action of its own. The reason for that is it's very, very hard to argue uh, government has a positive obligation to do X, Y, and Z, right? So there's policy decisions. We, we we vote for people to do that. We might not agree with it. We think they should be doing additional things, but it's it's very very challenging um, to sue government to say, well, well, you should be doing this and that and the other thing. Um, so so, but I mean, for what it's worth, just kind of spitballing uh, and thinking about, well, if if I were a lawyer for Big Oil and I've got a you know, I've got my list of, of defenses to this sort of a litigation. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this helps our cause. This certainly doesn't make the plaintiff look good, right? It, they, they've been sitting on their hands. Um, they've got some responsibility in all of this. So, uh, so yeah, so my email uh, for for who's who's an executive <laughs> with the big oil, come reach me at, no. Yeah, no, but so I think the, the where the where the realistic window could there yeah. be then maybe might just be in the fact that this would be, they would grab international headlines mm. if that happened and it would yeah. draw a lot of attention. It would embarrass the I think pants so. off a lot of people who are trying to play this to their advantage Yeah, uh, in a way that we like, mm-hmm. but in a way mm-hmm. that <clears throat> doesn't actually result in effective change. Yeah. And they're the people who ultimately have the responsibility. So I don't know. I'm actually going to vote that you should do it. I, I, in all honesty, I'm thinking about doing this and in part because, so this book that I'm working on, tease number two, mm. um, has a section that's actually where I contemplate this. And the thinking is, you know, forget about the legal aspect. Would this work? Would, wouldn't it work legally? Um, it is. It is embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. And... In a government suing big oil, that comes across as heroic. That's a narrative we understand. And that's, we say, you know, good on this mayor and good on that councillor and good on this government and so on. Um, You know, what I'm suggesting, this is going to make people uncomfortable. Um, It suggests some degree of of complicitness. It it makes us, you know, all involved in in not so much in, okay, pointing the finger and, and we are all responsible, but... But look, this is something that we can we can tackle together collectively. Um, you know, if if we're less satisfied with the status quo, if we're more interested in alternatives, you know, that can help shift government policy because politicians, you know, meet 
the electorate, right? And if we're wanting something else, that's when we'll actually see something else. Uh, you'll see industry respond to a shift in demand and so on. But again, it's it's this challenging of the status quo that a politician doesn't doesn't like. It doesn't feed into that. They don't get to like flex their muscles and say, look what we did by, by mandating disclosure of risk from industry. Uh, it, it's much more heroic to say, well, we're suing them. We're taking on the bad guys, right? right? Makes better headlines. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so to, to um, we'll touch back on this, but mm. to sort of wrap up that section to some degree anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like that that thing you uh, people have said uh, that it is said about, you know, if you can't tell, uh, I, I'm sure it was a famous quote by Bill Gates or somebody like mm. that, but I, I can't attribute it at this time. Uh, but it's the whole thing about if you can't tell what the product is, you are. And mm-hmm. so in this case, mm-hmm. there's an aspect around politicians where it's like, if you can't mi- find out who the boogeyman, if you can't point out a boogeyman, you're the boogeyman. Yeah. Right. So if they can't find someone to rally their troops to hate, mm-hmm. whether it's an oil company or a specific group, depending mm-hmm. on what party and what politician, and what jurisdiction you might be in, then you're the boogeyman. Yeah. And so their job to a large degree is to just kick up dust about someone else. Yeah. And that's how they make themselves look good. Because if they don't have an enemy there, they become the 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 outlet for people's rage. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong. It's not even necessarily rational. It's just unethical and uh, doesn't help anyone. <laughs> Ultimately, no. doesn't do anything good. You know, and it's it's absurd. At its core, it's absurd. You've got you've got a politician that's saying, you know, you didn't disclose. Uh, and you continue to, to to market these products that cause harms, and at the same time, that very same politician is is sitting on legislation that could mandate disclosure, um, and they're not doing it because because they're afraid because it doesn't play well, and and it's their job to do it, and that's that's what I find frustrating. And to sort of, I think I mentioned earlier this uh, councillor in the city of Victoria, the one dissenting vote, uh, he used the word the the parliamentary language. Um, <laughs> it's inappropriate. So the the word that that I would describe to use it is actually inappropriate as well. Uh, so, so I can't say it on on the radio. Um, and frankly, it's not it's not you know a kind word. Um, but what's interesting too is is the word I think I will use to describe it is uh, it's disappointing. It's mm. it's disappointing. Here I am, uh, a citizen that's concerned about this issue. I've tried to talk. Uh, to my government, you haven't just been been sort of yelling at your TV. You yeah, actively. Been I've been trying. I've folks, been so. trying, and it's it's disappointing. It's the breakdown is happening in government. That's where the breakdown happens. Uh, they're they're not doing their job, and it's disappointing. Mm. Yeah. So this uh, uh, the actual you teased a, a theoretical subtitle to the show. I will mm. tell you what the actual title of the show <laughs> okay. will be, which is uh, controversial opinions. Well, sure. And the uh, so that will be today's uh, show title. I just decided that a minute ago, and that's because we're moving now to another controversial opinion. So the in the news, of course, we've talked briefly with Stefan. I didn't get as much time to really do a decent job talking about it. I, unfortunately, again, we're not going to do another good job talking about it. Um, just because I don't have a lot of the information in front of me, and unfortunately, but uh, so I, uh, we don't want to do sort of a journalistic thing. This is very editorializing uh, as much of the show is anyway. So I'm sure no one's like, Oh, my God, um, <clears throat> about that. But the so Something I wanted to do, and this is how I described it to you yesterday when, again, when we were having our, our sort of pre-scrum, uh, which was the right wing has a lot of really bad arguments. Um, most of them are embarrassingly bad, as, as I mentioned before, and as I've mentioned repeatedly, I'm a fan of rhetoric and argument, you know, formal argumentation and whatnot and, and how to form a proper you know, sentence structure and, and uh, uh, an argumentation structure and, and logical fallacies are something that I find fascinating. I've, I've independently studied uh, quite a bit um, in, in non-traditional settings, aka self-directed research. Um, and you know, so 
just to give an example, I was quite offended and and actually sent a slightly colorful tweet at the Canadian part of uh, Canadian Conservative Party of Canada yesterday because they had the the good taste to tweet out uh, a Valentine's Day photo. I don't know if you saw this, Rob. Uh, they had a smiling picture of Trudeau with uh, him like making a heart with his hands, and there's a little cartoon heart. Okay, and it says Justin Trudeau is happy to welcome every person a happy Valentine's Day. And it was a joke. It was a joke. Ha ha. Joke is in mm-hmm. scare quotes here. Can, mm-hmm. Can't see my hands. A mm-hmm. joke uh, about um, uh, about the ch- gender neutral uh, language change in o Canada. Mm. Uh, essentially taking an axe to trans people. So I sent them a very colorful tweet. It was actually less colorful than it could have been. I was behaving myself to some <laughs> degree uh, from my personal account. Of course, I don't do that sort of thing. I try not to from the Green Majority account. Um, but so as we uh, just as that as an example, we, this mm. is not the first time we've uh, previously, Stefan and I and, and Dave have talked about uh, some of those like uh, there's like half naked women on some of them. And there's a whole bunch of really misogynistic stuff like the National Conservative Party of Canada is atrocious. <laughs> so like we like to say that, that, well, you know, there's some bad apples and some of the small town folks are, you know, pretty awful. But, you know, the most of the no. They're really terrible human beings. Hmm. Uh, many of them, not all, but many. Uh, and definitely they're trying to appeal to some pretty terrible people. Um, so that being said, the reason I did that intro is that the odd time, the random peek through the clouds of an actual rational argument that's based on real information that it has like some logical validity, I think it is worth pointing it out and actually talking about it Mm. to show the contrast because we're not just ignoring everything that they say because we disagree with them. We're ignoring all the things that are embarrassing to even acknowledge that they should be embarrassed about because it's so either cartoonish or hideous that when there's an actual rational argument that comes out, I want to take a minute and point it out and talk about it. That doesn't mean I agree with it. That means I think it's actually worth discussing. And the rarity that we do this on this program tells you something about how rational they are, Mm. uh, how often they're not hideous monsters or how rational the arguments are. So the argument is around the BC wine issue. And the argument that's been laid out by every news, at least one article in every newspaper for quite some time uh, has been that, uh, you know, environmental. And I've seen even there were even some opinion articles in the National Observer. Some, you know, they were sort of write-ins, not from uh, many of them weren't from sort of main journalists, but that being published. Right. So a lot of people seem to want to. And I think it's fair to consider the argument that says, look, uh, you know, we don't want pipelines. Mm. uh, but uh, Rachel Notley got in there as the NDP in Alberta on a very argue, arguably, and I think convincingly arguably, uh, risky platform for Alberta. She made it work. She did a whole bunch of stuff that that I think, again, arguably, I don't think any other uh, politician could have done in Alberta. She's, you know, there's a lot of people that are angry with her in Alberta, no doubt. She's not beloved, but name a politician that is, besides Justin Trudeau. Um, and... Um, you know, so she took a big risk, and the mm. risk there was that, hey, I'm going to do the best that can be done in a in a province that is based on the thing that we have a problem with. Mm-hmm. There's no easy way out of this, uh, and I'm going to do as much as can possibly be done without actually tanking this province, mm-hmm. which I think is not unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least unfair as far as where she's coming from. We may we may quibble, and we will in a second quibble with the details of that. But on on the overall, the argument is. So this one pipeline has to happen or she will be kicked out of power. I think that's actually totally true. Mm-hmm. I, I think if Kinder Morgan doesn't get built, Rachel Notley is gone. I, mm-hmm. I don't think you could make a case. Uh, I don't think anyone could make a convincing case that that's not true. 
and I also think it's completely valid argument that if she is kicked out, we will get someone significantly worse than her. Mm. Worse than her, I'm I, I'm only viewing this through the lens of climate policy and and oil. So I don't I don't I'm not making a comment about anything else. I don't know anything about anything else having to do with Alberta politics. I'll just put that right out there. Um, so the argument is that's being made, and I think is worth discussing. And I will I'm going to throw to you for comment before mm. I make my sort of conclusion on this, Rob. Is are they right? If we don't let, if Kinder Morgan doesn't go through and Rachel Notley goes down with the ship mm-hmm. and Alberta revolts, does that kick off? I think that there's an argument that could be made, that the very convincing argument, frankly, that could be made uh, that says we get someone worse than her in um, Alberta. And then because of that, Justin Trudeau also failed and we mm. lose Justin Trudeau and we get someone worse than Justin Trudeau at the federal level, it's possible, Mm -hmm, significantly mm -hmm. possible. We've had them, I have to remind you. Harper Mm -hmm, was significantly mm -hmm. worse. Um, Significantly worse. (laughs) Let me just underline that again. Significantly worse. Okay. Um, So, you know, is this a matter of, and this is the case that's being made, and I think it's one that's at least worth discussing, that we, if we don't take this one on the chin, Mm. that everything else we're trying to do goes down the drain. I don't think that's a bad argument, but I'm, and I'm going to tell you why I ultimately think we should still do everything we can to block Kinder Morgan. I Mm -hmm. want to say that right now, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's not as cut and dry as it might otherwise seem. Mm -hmm. And I want all the listeners to stop and really think about this for themselves and come up with their own decision, but actually think about it. But let's hear what Rob thinks about that first. Well, fair point. And I think at the core of sort of considering this, right, is is the ability to put yourself in another position's shoes, a little bit of empathy, right? And um, Rachel Notley got in. Um, there's now an NDP government in Alberta, which which is mind-boggling if you really think about it, right? Um, and and so, how much can she do, right? Uh, we can we can expect her to do uh, a lot more, you know, stop pipelines and so on. And, and when you put it in sort of the broader uh, climate change discussion, well, of course you don't want to build uh, fossil fuel infrastructure, like environmentally, economically, you know, pick your reason, right? It's not a good idea. Um, but this is the province that she lives in. Uh, if 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 she wants to remain in office, um, that's maybe she's got to make some compromises, right? I don't I don't know what what the right answer is. I don't know what her polling numbers are. I wonder if. Um, if an NDP government in, in Alberta is an anomaly regardless, so whether she's able to put in a pipeline or not. So could you make the argument, you know what, you've got this little window when you're in office, um, you know, if if in your heart of hearts you think it's actually a bad idea, um, we'll go with it because this window is going to close soon. And, and guess what? It's an anomaly. You're not going to be in office no matter so, what you do. Yeah. So potential counter yeah. argument is what does it matter? We're going to lose her anyway. That's, yeah. that's a, that actually isn't part of my mm. list of counter arguments. Yeah. But that's a, that's a good one. Thank you for adding. You that. know, and, and to add to that specifically, just to go back to my thing, cause that's all I do. I'm a, I'm a one track record <laughs> is, uh, cause I've been at this for a little while now. There are people who were in office who had the ability to implement this thing. They're no longer in office or, you know, I've been at this for five years now. There's a few counselors that I've lobbied that are dead, right? And so I'm like, you had your chance, you know? Um, this window might might close. It might be brief. Uh, what are you going to do with it? Well, while well, you do have that privilege of being in office. So I, I don't know the answer, but I, I do like the idea. And I think this is an exercise we can all undertake um, of try your best to put yourself in another person's uh, position, right? 
Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, and my whole thing is that if you don't acknowledge people when they make good arguments, then no mm. one takes you seriously when you're when you're mocking them for bad mm-hmm. arguments. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think it's really important, regardless of what you ultimately think, to give ideas that are not insane mm-hmm. uh, their due diligence, so that people take you seriously when you laugh at actually insane things. Yeah. Um, I think that's very important. So uh, what I uh, we're going to do, so we got about 12 minutes left. I'm going to give mm-hmm. part of my answer, and then I think we'll take our last music break, and then we'll just have like 10 minutes, and we can scrum on that and some and some other stuff if we want. We can do some tie-ins between these two mm-hmm. stories if we want. But I just want to put this out there, and then if you want to respond, you can respond, and then we'll take a, sure. we'll take a quick final break. So w- the reason I actually, I spent about two days of really chewing on this mm. Um and I ended up just barely being on the side of, yeah, let's fight it anyway. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't actually for the reason you mentioned, although I'm very partial to that idea that, like, who says she was going to stay in power either way, <laughs> yeah. um, is that the, the reason I ultimately landed on that is that the whole argument that we're making, and this is something that some folks from 350 were making, which was that um, there's the argument for the fact that this is all going to be viable mm-hmm is no one's actually seen that math, right? So, and one of the things that I've been saying on the show for a long time, which a lot of other people have been saying as well, was that all these pipelines, like the profit margins, are saying, well, we can't we can't afford to turn away these opportunities. Mm. This is buckets of money you just mm-hmm. want us to voluntarily do away with. I'd like to see the math on mm-hmm. how they made those calculations on how much that money was, because that's all assuming estimates based on government and oil industry expectations, which, as we know, has been wrong 100% of the time yeah. about the rate of decrease of oil consumption. They've been wrong about the peaking of oil. They've been wrong about all of these trends. Any prediction about oil has been wrong for like a decade now. Mm-hmm. And so I think, though ultimately, the short version, um, I could mm-hmm. probably, I could, I just we don't really have time to unpack it to that degree. But the sort of short version of what it ultimately comes down to was, at this point, the strategy for environmentalists for a while has been stall until they die. Hmm. And so is the argument here is, well, if we lose Notley and then in two years someone else comes in and, and guts all this, mm-hmm. a lot's going to happen in that two years. Mm-hmm. And in that two years, like right now I saw this morning, hmm. I actually saw, a, 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 I got a lot of random stuff because I read a lot of random news. So my Google is, my Google assistant sends me news alerts is like very confused all the time. So I get lots of random things. And so one of the things as it desperately tries to figure out, like, do you like video games or environment? Decide. Um, so... Uh, and then once in a while, I'll throw in sports for no reason. Um, but ultimately, like one of the things I was seeing this this morning was that there's a new just trader. I, did, I didn't read the article. I just saw the headline. Mm. Um, but it was just, uh, it was some trading advice thing saying, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we've changed our mind now. We're recommending a buy mm. on Kinder Morgan. Huh. Which is the market link saying, or at least some people in the market who who are viewing huh. this purely from an financial point of, point of view seem very confident this is going ahead. Mm-hmm. Um if it doesn't, mm-hmm. Kinder Morgan has a lot of eggs in this basket. They've been sitting there quietly because they know damn well that everybody in the entire government from from C to C, with the exception of like three people who have their reputation staked to fighting it, mm-hmm. are quietly or publicly on their side. So they're sitting there in smug confidence that people are going to pee and moan uh, and then 
this will go through. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, Kinder Morgan is going to take a massive hit. Mm. <laughs> and a lot is going to happen over the next couple of years. And so by the time they go to try and like bring all this stuff back, we're going to see, I think we're going to see what we saw with a bunch of other pipelines, which mm -hmm. is why the time they come back and say, okay, we're ready for you now, they'll be like, this isn't worth it for us anymore. Yeah. And I think if we don't do that, like so much is going to keep changing, the world's going to keep changing. I think by the time they get around to trying it again, nobody's going to be interested. I, I yeah. be personally believe the, the world is changing that fast. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, I think I actually agree. I think, yes, I think, yes, we could very likely uh, see another conservative uh, federal government because of losing Kinder Morgan. I think we're absolutely guaranteed to lose regional Nutley mm -hmm. if this goes ahead. I think there's a chance some heads could roll in BC either way. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the, the time in this respect is on our side in the sense yeah. that things are progressing so fast that even a year or two's delay could kill these projects. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, once they're delayed, even if we had an election and guaranteed I nine number one priorities get these pipelines through, they might not be able to do it in time. And when people do those estimates, they're like, hey, I don't think this is actually going to work now. They've successfully mm. stalled us so long that this is really isn't a good investment for us anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that people are going to know that and they're going to start, well, like, well, we have no choice but to make these. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of unemployed beast, uh, folks in Alberta. Oh, I guess we should start listening to what Saren's been saying for five years and create this <laughs> massive retraining program where we give yeah. people all sorts of financial support. And then people are going to say, oh, that's going to cost a bunch of, and I, a bunch of money. And I'm going to say, yes. And <laughs> this is going to say, this is going to be really hard. And I'm going to say, yes. You know what's worse? Climate change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And, and my suspicion is that a lot of these, say, financial advisors, investors, et cetera, are underestimating the resistance in British Columbia and uh, and the degree to which there are people who are fundamentally opposed to this pipeline and will do whatever they can uh, to stop it, uh, even go so far as, as literally putting their bodies on the line. Um, so, so with that in place, with that sort of commitment and people that actually do understand the threat of climate change and, and do not want to see this pipeline um, go through... Uh, that is going to be a really, really tough thing to build. It's going to be delayed and delayed and delayed. Uh, and, and as you point out, uh, with renewables, with all sorts of other you know technologies, electric vehicles, and so on and so on, that's only going to keep the price of oil depressed because you've got demand for for alternatives, right? And and in that environment, um, bitumen, as we all know, this this you know tar sands, etc. Uh, the point at which that becomes profitable you need you need a much higher price per barrel to actually do that so are we you know trying to get this pipeline built uh and it's going to be subject to so so much resistance uh and eventually even if it does oh boy guess what there's not even a market for this product it's yeah. it's silly and at some point i think uh, investors are then going to clue in and uh, whoops we're we're changing our advice yeah. it, it's a sell well and it's it's and the thing is yeah never mind the last week's we're, we're totally out of time already <laughs> but um but i mean and yeah. here's, here's the thing though because i think here's the loop for me that ties back to to where we started here with you Rob, mm. um which was that the thing they're saying is like hey look you're putting albertans out of work by fighting this pipeline. Mm -hmm. No, you're putting them out of work by not creating a cushion for them to yes. be out of work. Yeah. You're the one as the government who has the power here yeah. to make a rational decision say, yeah, okay, we have this real problem. We got a lot of people employed in the oil industry, mm. largely in one province. Uh, it contributes a lot to the national revenue. That's a real problem. What do we do about it? How? Okay, there's nothing, which is what you're doing, and you're mm -hmm. arguing for nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Or you can say, man, yeah, that's going to happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's our responsibility to do the thing. And then also, yeah, as if it's as if it's Rob Shirky and Saren Kaster mm. city in Toronto in some, you know, volunteer community radio stations <laughs> job to figure out how to put those people back to work. No, that's also your job. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's why they yes. gave you the big chair guy, big yeah, guy, <laughs> the exactly. big chair, big guy. Uh, that's going to be a daily pickle. Maybe we're going to need to spend a whole bunch of money to, to, to give some mm -hmm. people some job support. Maybe half a problem. Province. It's mm -hmm. gonna really suck. You know what sucks works? Having like 400 degrees Celsius summers and having no drinking water and no food. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. where we're at, right? Yeah. And we got to keep reality checking these people because they keep taking the climate emergency part out of it and yes. trying to talk about it as only in economics, and that's BS. Yeah, as as, as Peter Parker's uncle once said. With great power <laughs> comes, comes great, great spandex. Oh, comes wait. great spandex too. And there's basically two things that come with great power. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join me here at, at uh, 7.30 in the morning. Cheers. Likewise. Uh, yeah. So we've, we've got, uh, do your, we have like just like one minute. So I just want to uh, let, that was my cue to you that mm. we're going to wrap up here. Uh, give people the website. Yeah. Give people the, the, the intro that we forgot to. Who are you, by the way? Who is this person? Uh, you've got about two minutes. Give them, uh, give them a little rundown. Sure. So by night, I am Spider-Man in, in spandex You're and responsibility. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but my no one can see my face. That's so right. uh, by day, I am a, a mild-mannered lawyer <laughs> <laughs> that launched a climate change nonprofit. Uh, that's asking governments to put climate change disclosures to mandate that on uh, on gas pumps. Um, and the, the big teaser, just to bring a finish to this, uh, my book, it's called The Banality of Oil. So if you think the absurdity of this whole entire, you know, thing, uh, uh, you know, if you're interested in learning more about that and my take on it, I can tell you right now, governments aren't going to like it. <laughs> I think, Is that the title? I think, yeah, really. I'll tell you right a now, lot of citizens aren't going to like this. A lot of citizens, NGOs aren't going to like it. Um, uh, industry isn't going to like it. There's basically no market for it. <laughs> you know, if everyone's upset at you, you're doing a good job. Yeah. So, uh, but if you want to pre-order, it's thebanalityofoil.com. Uh, and it's always a pleasure being here. Thanks so much for having me, Saren. Right. Thanks so much, Rob. As usual, check the website for all the show notes. We'll find links to the book and Rob's fun stuff and maybe some hilarious videos of you juggling. Who knows what will be on the show post? Check that out at greenmajority.ca. Other than that, thank you everyone so much for listening. Have a good green week and we'll see you all real soon.